I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We are two landscape designers that have been in the industry for well over 25 years. Very well over 25 years. Yeah, in fact, there are statues to both of us (laughs) in our own (laughs) lives. Well, through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge and our challenges and... Our foibles and stories, lots of stories of things that have happened to us, and anything that we can do to help you and your family create the ultimate landscape environments. Yeah, and speaking of that, um, here's some good here's some good advice. First of all, if you're starting to go to the nursery because the nursery is because we have fabulous weather and we have a little bit of rain, and you're seeing these beautiful plants that are starting to bloom, hang on. What we want to talk about today is the type of um, potting soils and the difference. You know the difference between a potting soil and a planter's mix? Right. We want to tell you because this is going to help. Because when you buy, you know, these beautiful plants and then you use the wrong soil, unbeknownst to you, you know, they'll fail. And you think, gosh, you know, I just spent, what do you spend, $9, $10, $15 on a plant now, depending, you know, on where you go? So um, I wanted to start a little bit with potting soil. And this is stuff you buy in the bag, not stuff you'd put together, okay? Um, So most potting soil, just so you know, now you buy potting soil to put plants in a pot, right? It says potting soil. You don't use topsoil for that, use potting soil. And um, potting soil sometimes doesn't even have soil in it. It's comprised of various ingredients that provide a healthy environment for potted plants to grow. Now, um, the mixes there also have things in it that, that help the soil not become too compacted. Have you grown plants in a, in a pot and pretty soon the water backs up and they flood and you root rot and you've died? They've died? I have. Have you, Michael? I have def- definitely done that. And um, you think, again, you've done something wrong and it may not be something that you've done. It may not. So a high quality potting potting mix is going to be um, lighter in weight and fluffy and it holds moisture. However, you know, as years, the time goes on, you're going to need to, you know, give it some fertilizer, some food, because if the plant is going to eat up whatever's in there. So um, don't neglect feeding them later on. Now, um, also, there is, oh my gosh, there's topsoil. Now, topsoil is actually the top they cut the top of the soil of earth. So it is earth. And um, that's a good growing medium as well. However, it's not recommended for pots because sometimes it could be crappy topsoil. So if you're just going to buy craps, uh, sorry, not craps, <laughs> if you're going to buy topsoil, it's not expensive. You want to use it to fill holes and build berms. And um, if you have a lot to plant, you're going to want to order it from um, one of our wonderful supply places. Um, we have many here in Sacramento and they're all over the United States and you could buy really good planting mix. That's a mixture of topsoil and fertilizer and mulch. And you buy that, um, pretty much by the yard. Right. And a, a lot of it also, like for example, potting soil has vermiculite, which is almost, um, it's almost like styrofoam in it, um, that makes it more loamy, um, open so it drains better but it also makes it lighter because a lot of times when people have pots 
they want to pick them up and move them around. And if you were to use topsoil, which you never do, it's too dense and it's too heavy. So you, and it makes trying to move that pot almost impossible. I mean, you'd need a dolly or you'd need a wheelbarrow just to move a pot a couple of, a couple of feet. Whereas with the potting soils, a lot of them have the vermiculite mixed in. And we had one situation just to kind of throw this out. We were doing a rooftop garden and there was a weight limit to how heavy the pots we could use and the soil we could use. So we had to use something very lightweight in terms of, of the soil mixture, because again, a very heavy soil would put too much weight on the pot in, in onto the roof. And so again, that's things that pe people don't think about. If you're doing a rooftop garden and you're using pots, you want them as light as possible so that they don't put structurally uh, damage onto your roofs, uh, the, the roof beams. Right, and also, you know, in the soil inside the pot would become muddy and clog up the hole. So you don't want to use that. So I thought I'd run down really quickly the types of potting mixes. And so perk up before you buy flowers, because we're going to go on to talk about plants in a minute. So you can get all purpose, which is formulated for indoor outdoor use, house plants, hanging baskets, window boxes. And so that's called all purpose, um, you know, soil. Indoor potting mix are for specially designed indoor plants. OK, they um, they need something different. They don't want any compost or bark. Um, so because then you'll get gnats and uh, fungus and whatnot. So don't just use your outdoor soil for your indoor potting mix. If you have raised beds, um, there's mixes that are fortified with nutrient-rich ingredients for growing vegetables. So there are specific um, vegetable soils for gardens, um, and that's garden soil. And it, it has organic and inorganic enhancements as well as fertilizer. I like to use the organic stuff um, because some of these some of these garden soils that say they've they've got fertilizer and all this stuff it's been sprayed on and once it goes into the soil it just evaporates so it's worth spending the extra money and then there's seed starting mix and that um, encourages healthy root development now there's science between all of this so really pay attention when you're picking up soil regarding what you're planting for instance. If you're planting cactus and succulent, you want to get a cactus and succulent mix, okay? They don't like a lot of yummy stuff that the other plants like. They're, they like the low water, and they like it to dry out quickly, so you want to do that. And then there's a lot, there's azalea mix, African violet mix, orchid mix. So just know that each plant, each type of variety has different needs as far as what it likes to eat. So that's, that's our... Uh, opening is wait don't just buy what you're seeing first of all plan where's it going what kind of soil does it need and so on and so forth right for example a lot of times and, and i'm one of them we like orchids and we like to grow them inside and again you don't just plant an orchid in regular soil it has to be orchid bark and um they are um they they like to drain you you need a soil that drains very quickly and that's why you actually buy an orchid orchid mix 
um, so that you can plant your orchids. And as Roberta was saying about the cactus, they need to drain very quickly. They can't sit with water sitting around the roots. Otherwise, they're going to rot out. So each of the plants has certain requirements in order to thrive. And when you're dealing with potted plants, you're in a fixed environment. It's not like they can get nutrients. They can get other things from the soil around it. They're in a very fixed environment, just a pot. So whatever they are going to be able to get nutrients or get anything from it's whatever is inside that pot so it's not like you have something a plant that the roots can eventually grow out into native soil or, or air, other areas um you don't have that situation in a pot it's all a fixed environment it is and um you know if you're the diy type you could certainly mix up your own blends of course you know use a little soil and then um one place that we have that's online called groworganic.com they're actually up in nevada city in northern california they have all the different um mixes if you're going to improve the ph balance in your soil that's that's a little different so um if you're going to go that route then um you could study up and find so many things on the internet about you know the perfect mix for this the perfect mix for that but if you're just buying some of the beautiful plants that are coming out before you just grab a bag of soil look what that soil is and what it's for so and once you've got your soil type correct and you picked out the right soil it's time to put plants in it and this is a topic we were talking about a little earlier um not all i mean for example that old saying a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose not necessarily and today's Right. In today's world, what's happening is a lot of the old popular species specimens, um, the nurseries go ahead and they hybridize them. What that basically means is they take an old, um, they take a certain plant and they redevelop it to have different characteristics that they like, maybe brighter color, different, different flowers, maybe it's not as big, maybe it's a different leaf shade. And um, it's created a, a tremendous amount of um, diversity within the, the plant world so that not everything looks the same. The problem with hybridizing and it's and it's very it's very positive in many respects. But the problem that sometimes is sometimes the hybrids that they come up with are not as hardy as the original, and they may work in a very controlled environment, but they may not work in the same situation that the original plant would. Right, and you have to watch you know our climate. Michael and I were talking about this. We were speaking about. A few plants you might be familiar with, um, Euphorbia. Now, Euphorbia has a massive family. It could be almost a cactusy thing. But um, there's some lovely Euphorbias in all these different colors. And we've both been using them over the years and realize, I realized quite early, that uh, they don't last. And so, nope. yeah. So, so if you go back to the original Euphorbia, which is beautiful. No, it's not burgundy. No, it doesn't have peach. But it's hardy. And um, that's what we're looking for. If, you, if you're looking for something for the color, you know, here's what I was thinking, Michael. I was thinking that just like fashion, each year has to come out with new styles. Right, I, right. I think these, um, you know, developers, plant developers, nurseries are looking for the latest, greatest. But I think you're right. It doesn't yeah, mean it's going to work in your area. Right. So, so from personal experience and 
Uh, for those of you that are go, isn't that's kind of familiar euphoria? It's in the poinsettia family. For those of you that that um, buy poinsettias during Christmas, that's a euphorbia. That's the the major family member. Um, but for example, as we were talking about it, my personal experience, there was one that was kind of an apricot, the euphorbia. The normal one is kind of green and it has really interesting kind of kind of um, yellowish flowers and it's very hardy. Well, they had it hybridize these kind of apricot leafed um, hybrids that the, the leaf was kind of an apricot color and it was really, really attractive. So I bought one. Um, I didn't buy one. I bought actually 10 of them in the fall and I planted them in the, in my garden. And during the fall, they looked great and they were thriving. And then we went into winter. And again, we did not have a heavy winter. There was no frost. There was, it was pretty mild and all winter long, they looked great. And then we went into spring. Spring looked good again. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to start recommending these to my clients, but I'm going to watch them a little longer. And then we went into summer and it was a pretty brutal summer. It went to 105 degrees. The minute it got hot, the minute it got hot, every single one of them, and there were 10 of them in the garden, they all died. I mean, they could, they, they liked the fall. They liked the, the, the winter, they liked the spring, but the minute it got warm, as I said, they just, they all upped and died. So all 10 plants, even though I was babying them and fertilizing them and looking at them, they just all, they all died. So I will not recommend them to clients in this kind of environment where you get 100 degree, 105 degree temperatures in the summertime. So that's a hybrid I wouldn't recommend. You keep saying 105, but we went to 112 actually last summer and the last four years, we've had um, the smoke from fires, which I'm sure many, many people have dealt with as well. And um, remember, um, plants breathe through their leaves. And so when it's smoky, you know, it's, it's bad news. So Right, right, 112. <laughs> yeah. Just another, another plant that I want to just throw out there, you know, and again, a very big favorite in the garden, especially English gardens, are um, heuchera, the, the coral bells. Um, the original plant has got green leaves and it has the little teeny flowers, little pink flowers, the kind of bell-like. And again, very, very hardy. And they even do well underneath um, indigenous oak trees because they, they don't compete for the same um, nutrients. So the coral bell is really pretty, but they've hybridized the coral bell to have all different colors. There's a lime one and then there's a red one and there's a, an apricot one. And Yeah, they're they're gorgeous. Yes. And every one that I've tried, other than the original one, has all died. Every one of them. I've put them in there. I've almost treated them like an annual because they just literally lay over and die. But their colors are addicting. So I just put, <laughs> I bought three more because I love the colors. But um, two of them I have in pots and they're doing okay. They've made it through the winter and now they're new colors coming out. But, um, you know, it's, again, it's like, don't just go for pretty. You go for hardy as well. I mean, there's so much that's hardy and beautiful as well. But um, check up on these plants because um, it's, you know, it's money. And when you it's money, yeah, you want them to do something in the garden as far as color. And and then they they peter out and it's a waste of money. So 
So the big advice is, as, as I said, you can buy them if you want to treat them like annuals, which, you know, they last for a while and then they die and they never come back. But these are perennials that they're hybridizing. If you're if you're truly wanting to buy something and spend your hard money, um, hard worked money um, and you want it to last you're going to have to do some due diligence and research and in the field, you know, because this is what we do for a living. I kind of use my own place as a little um, nursery or kind of a guinea pig. Uh, if I do see a hybrid that I really like and that's really unusual, I'll actually plant and I no longer buy 10 of them. I'll buy like two or three of them, put them in there, see how they do. If they thrive and they come back and they're really hardy, then I know I can recommend them. But if they only last one season or I barely get them through a season, then I know treat them like an annual if you truly want them, but they're not something I'm going to recommend to a client because again, the clients are paying a lot of money to get these beautiful plant specimens that we're as the professional is supposed to be recommending. And the last thing they want to do is spend their hard earned money and then find it lasts barely a season and it dies. Right. You know, one plant and, um, Actually, because we've warmed up, it's it's doing better. But I used to tell people, everyone loved the red fountain grass. It's called Penicetum rubrum. And yes. um, it used to be that it would just bite it in the winter. It just got too cold and it wouldn't come back. And in most cases. But now it's warming up and it does. But I would tell people that really wanted it, I said, you know what? Let's put it in. If it dies, you just buy another one gallon. Um, and that too. But now it's warming up. So they are they are coming back. Um, but anyway, if you really want what you want, of course, buy it and then, you know, you'll replace it when it dies. Now, another plant distinction that Michael and I were talking about is the difference between what you might think is a geranium, which is a geranium, and a pelargonium, which is also a geranium. I call the pelargonium geraniums grandma geraniums because my grandmother had them and I'm from Southern California originally and they grow really well there. But the other geraniums, the Cranesville, what a fabulous family of, of geraniums. These are evergreen for the most part and they bloom. There's trailing type, there's ground cover type. So um, sometimes I'll put geranium on a plant list and my client's thinking, oh, oh no, I know what those are. Well, no, you don't know what those are. And, um, there's a beautiful variety called Roxanne. There's there's many different varieties, and these are much hardier uh, than the grandma geraniums, the pelargoniums. Unless, like I said, it's not getting as cold now, and you have them in a sunny place, then they should do fine. Kind of like jade plants. How many how many people have jade plants, Michael? I <laughs> they propagate like crazy, and they're huge, and they used to die, you know, if they were outside in the freezing, but they're like hedges now. Unbelievable. I hate. I <laughs> plants, and it comes from being a little kid in Southern California. My parents had them. They also had lots of bees, and I I had to take care of them. I got stung. I I hate jade plants. So when I see a jade plant and a client has it, I usually tell them to throw it out, and they look at me like, and I go, "It's just a personal preference. I don't like them." But here's the interesting thing: is a lot of times, and she's right, I mean, when you say geranium, you immediately think of one certain kind of plant. That's why, and this is just a little technical thing, why a lot of times, knowing the botanical name, there are a lot of plants that are called the same thing. For example, geranium is one of them. 
the true geranium is is a geranium incanum, and that's a geranium. But the pelargonium is called a geranium. The tulip tree people call the magnolia grand uh, the magnolia salangiana, which is a deciduous um, tulip, a t- deciduous magnolia, a tulip tree. But the real tulip tree is a liriodendron, and that's, that's <laughs> right. So if you call say I want a tulip tree. Some people would think, okay, it's a liriodendron, which gets humongous versus the deciduous magnolia. So a lot of the a lot of the plants have the same common name, but the, the only way to tell the difference is the botanical name. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the botanical name is um, generally in Latin, and yes. um, it's in Latin because Latin is a dead language, meaning they can't change it. So. You could go to the nursery and look at um, a, a plant that says sunny days or, you know, happy stars. And you got to really know what that plant is. You've got to go to the botanical name. Right. And so a lot of times, as I said, if you if you express this interest, oh, I want a this and such, and you'll use the common name. Well, as I said, there are certain plants that are all several plants are called the same common name. So if you truly want something, you have to do your due diligence and research it to find out what is the botanical name that you're ordering. Like um, there's a plant that's wild lilac and there um, a lot of people think it's it's Ceanothus, but a lot of people say wild lilac is the same thing as a Syringa vulgaris, which is a true lilac. And they go, well, that's a wild lilac. And it's, no, it's a different plant. Completely. So again, it, it's really funny when you start talking about plants, their names, their nomenclature, and their botanical names. Yeah, sometimes clients will give me a list of what they like, and they're all nursery names. <laughs> they're not the botanical name. And so I have no idea. I said, I have no idea what this is. You know, like Happy Days, What what is that? Yeah, what is a happy? Oh, that was a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, these days, da, 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 remember? Happy days. Yeah, happy days. So happy, yeah, okay, go ahead. As professionals, that's kind of what we're te- we're trying to tell you is there's there's the common name, which is great, but it doesn't help as a professional if you're trying to buy plants or suggest plants to people. You're, you're going to have to do a little bit more digging in, in terms of nomenclature so that you actually tell if you're a client and you're telling your designer or you're looking for something at a nursery, you're going to have to do a little bit of research in terms of what is the Latin name, the botanical name. Right. So now let's say that you have you see these beautiful plants and you look around your garden and you've got to find a place for them. So along with doing due diligence, uh, you also have to know what kind of light and water that that plant needs and so if you have a landscape that's all sun you're not going to want to put japanese maples in and hostas you know or azaleas although there are some azaleas called indicas that could take more sun but um do be careful and look at your garden look at you've lived in your house you know when it gets sun you know when it gets shade and then buy appropriately if you're going to do those areas, because you'll save money and it'll thrive. And nothing is better than than bringing in um, plants and perennials. And they actually work. What a joy. It's so great. And nothing's more discouraging than buying plants, putting them in the ground and watching them turn brown, shrivel up and die. 
that's very discouraging. And then the first comment is, I've got a brown thumb. No, you don't have a brown thumb. The problem is you haven't done your research, so you've put the wrong plant in the wrong place, or you haven't taken care of it, watered it enough or watered it too much. So that's what, what leads to the whole idea of having a brown thumb, is that you haven't done all of the research or haven't done the due diligence to figure out how to keep it alive. Right. And remember, these plants that you're buying that look so beautiful, they've basically been raised on crack. Okay. They've been fertilized and promoted with all kinds of uh, grow, um, you know, grow enzymes and fertilizers. So when you get them home and you put them in your dumpy soil, very often they, you know, their roots start to spread out and think, whoa, wait a minute, there's nothing here. That's yeah, what just happened? What just happened? That's why we started out with talking about potting soils and really preparing, you know, a place for these plants. It means everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we've exhausted this for this podcast. I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope again that we've given you some good information and, uh, because everything is starting to bloom and the nurseries do look great. And it's an addiction with me with buying. I don't buy plants so much because I don't like to plant them anymore because I don't have much space anymore. So um, I still love to look. So thank you for joining us. This is Digging Deep and I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. And as Roberta said, thank you for joining us with Digging Deep.